0: Over the last 31 years, we've been married to each other three times. Three times? Not literally. (laughs) There was actually only one ceremony. But we have had three clearly defined and different relationships. Absolutely. In each case, we were brought to a point that we needed to grow and evolve or self-destruct.
1: In today's episode, we're going to share what drove us to evolve and some of the challenges we experienced along the way this is an important topic because most couples, likely including you, will probably go through similar phases in your relationship. This is going to be a good one, so buckle up. Here we go.
0: Did you know the average couple waits six years to get help in their marriage?
1: Yeah, that's six years of pain, hurting frustration.
0: Hi there, I'm Charlotte Snow.
1: And I'm Robert Snow.
0: And welcome to Master Your Marriage,
1: where we believe that having an amazing marriage should never feel like hard work and shouldn't be a guessing game.
0: This is the show for married couples who want to discover a scientifically proven approach to building a masterful marriage and have fun while doing it.
1: So if that's you, you're in the right place. Let's dive in. Welcome to this week's episode, but before we begin today's episode, we just want to express our sincere thanks for you listening to our Master Your Marriage podcast and helping us grow.
0: Please consider subscribing to the show if you haven't already just go ahead and hit the follow button inside the player that you're currently listening to. Our mission and our purpose has always been to help transform marriages and families. And the way that you can help to support us and to help support our mission is to subscribe and to leave us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. Absolutely,
1: yeah. So, on today's show, here we go. Sun Tzu, a military general, philosopher, and author of The Art of War, a very well-known book, wrote a strategic principle called burning the boats. What does that have to do with marriage? Hmm. He taught his armies to burn their boats and the bridges as they advanced into new territories as a way to motivate his armies and eliminate any possible avenue or even thought of retreating.
0: And his argument for this was that when retreat is not an option, it extracts every ounce of effort and commitment to the mission ahead. By driving armies forward without the possibility of going back, it forces soldiers and commanders to think differently, more creatively, and to find innovative solutions to certain problems. That sounds
1: interesting. So there's some real world examples from history where this strategy has been implemented and executed for probably the most famous example is Alexander the Great. (laughs) He burned his boats on the shores of arriving in Persia with his armies. And by burning his boats, by burning everything, Alexander committed his men to victory over the Persian army, who was way bigger and greatly outnumbered Alexander's army at the time.
0: Yeah. And as we take this into a broader context, this mindset of burning your boats has been applied outside of the military, serving as a metaphor throughout different situations in life.
1: So metaphorically speaking, when we leave our ships in the harbor, leave our ships to safety, we may not be fully committed to the particular task at hand or the outcome because, well, we have safety retreat too.
0: Right. And I was thinking about this story over the course of this last week, especially as it relates to our relationship. As it goes here on the podcast, you guys know already, we get a lot of the ideas for our shows here based on our challenges that we've had in our relationship over the last three plus decades.
1: Absolutely. And as we got to thinking about this, we asked ourselves, When have we ever been in a position to burn our ships? Where were the points in our relationship where we said, there's no going back to the safety of the harbor? We're not even going to go back to what has been. Even though we may not know what the future holds, we're moving forward, succeed or perish, and we're just going to have to figure this thing out.
0: Right. And so as we talked about this concept this week together, we realized, yeah, there's been a couple of really pivotal moments in our relationship these burn the boat moments where where we have just moved forward and we've not been willing to look back. And it's interesting because these moments have coincided with something that we talked about on last week's episode.
1: Yeah. So last week's episode on the podcast, Cheryl and I were in the hot seat with Devo on his The Little Impolite podcast. Mm-hmm. One of the questions he asked us was, tell me about the evolution of your relationship. And we shared Esther Perel's quote from her TED talk in which she said, most of us are going to have at least two to three committed relationships in our lifetime. Some of us are going to have these relationships with the same person.
0: I have always thought about that TED talk, specifically that quote, and question myself, what does that mean? What does it mean? It really means that most of us are actually going to have two to three committed relationships in our lifetime that might be due to divorce or due to death or various different things. But many of us are going to do it with the same person each time.
1: I want to hear about this.
0: And I can say that I've probably had three marriages to the same man, this guy.
1: And I've probably had three marriages to the same wonderful woman who's sitting next to me. And it's not because we were divorced. But because over the past 31 years, we've had to redefine ourselves, redefine our relationship to restructure, to reassess and figure out what values and what matters most to us in the context of our marriage.
0: Yeah, we've had to innovate. We've had to stand up for what we see as something that we need to add into our relationship. Robert said values, for example, because what works for a period of time, maybe early on in your marriage, doesn't necessarily work for forever. And those who can, they will figure out how to innovate with the same person. Absolutely. But for those who can't, they have to move on and do it with someone else.
1: So for us, the first marriage was marked by lots of intense emotions. There was a lot of, as you might imagine in early in your marriage, infatuation and sexual desire. And there was a lot of Oddly validating each other and inflating each other, there was this neediness that stemmed from abandonment issues on my part. And we both needed to inflate our respective self-images. And for us, Mm -hmm. this first marriage was really quite a ride.
0: Mm -hmm. It was very volatile, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. And this was also when all the patterns that we witnessed growing up started to manifest. So there was some really high highs. There were really low lows. Low lows. We had blow-ups, we had fights, we had name-calling, mostly that was me doing that. Contempt, defensiveness, it was, like you said, it was quite the
1: right. It was quite the right. And if I were to give our first marriage a name, I would say it's going to be the, you're never going to make it. And <laughs> yeah. by all accounts, we probably shouldn't have. We had every predictor for divorce. We had contempt, we had criticism, yeah. we had defensiveness, explosive conflict, failure to repair, yeah. emotional flooding, yeah. emotional fusion. Yeah, all the things. We had all the things.
0: Yeah. If he got reactive, I would get reactive. If I felt hurt, Mm, look out. (laughs) Or if I felt hurt, like I wanted to hurt him back. That was just the emotional immaturity that we both had at that point. And on top of all of this explosiveness, we had no idea how to fix it because neither of us had any model of a healthy relationship to look at and say, This is what we need to do.
1: Yeah, we just never really had any tools. And as we look back now on each of these three marriages, we can also see the catalyst that forced us to innovate in each of these transitions. The catalyst was emotional gridlock. Mm -hmm. In order for us to restructure our marriage, we had to get to a don't tread on me moment Mm -hmm. and let's stop standing on me. the thing, right. And a a moment in time where our integrity stood up and said, I'm just not going to take this anymore. And Mm -hmm. I will not have my individuality compromised in any more situations like this.
0: Exactly. And we've shared this story before on the podcast, but for those of you who may have missed it, I want to tell it again, because what was the point when marriage one came to an end? And it was the point when Robert looked at me in the most honest yet neutral tone and just said, Sharla, nobody can hurt me the way that you can hurt me. And there was no charge in his voice. There was no anger in his voice. There was almost actually no emotion in his voice at all. It was just pure truth and honesty. And in that moment, there was this, I would say it was like a meeting of the minds where I got it. I understood it. I understood what he was saying. He wasn't playing. He was really done fighting. And his integrity was standing up in that moment. He didn't want to appease anymore. He didn't want to accommodate or placate. He was burning the ship's. There was no going back to the harbor. There was no going back to that old way of being, that old marriage that we had.
1: Yeah, I remember that. It was tough.
0: It was a hard time. And that was a scary moment coming to that point. And what we haven't shared with you before on the podcast is how that moment made me feel after the fact. And the best way that I can explain it is that I felt like I was... I liked a paddleboard. So it felt like I was floating away on my paddleboard without a paddle. Here we had been emotionally fused together and it felt like he was cutting the bindings that had been previously holding us together. He pulled out of sync from me and I did not like how that felt. That did not feel good because all of a sudden I had this sense of panic that he didn't need me anymore. And what am I going to do if he no longer needs me?
1: And that's crazy because I was always the one who felt like I needed you the most. I was worried that you'd leave, so Well, it's funny how this how we have to prop each other up in those situations, you know.
0: Yeah, and I think just in hindsight looking back it was because I still had such a reflected sense of self that I needed you to prop me up that when that moment came when you stood on your own two feet and you're like, "No, we I'm I'm not doing this anymore." It was like whoa, wait a minute. What am I going to do over here if I don't have you to prop me up? Yeah. So it wasn't just you with issues.
1: So there's this interesting phenomenon that happens when couples are in an unhealthy synchrony. Oftentimes they have to get out of sync in order to reestablish a better connection. Also, we like to call this a pattern interrupt.
0: A pattern interrupt. And So this is this idea of synchrony is really interesting because it's been shown with infants and their mothers. And for a long time, like over 70 years, the idea of mother-infant synchrony was a really dominant focus of child psychology. Researchers looked at how the mother responded to the baby's needs, so how the mother responded when the baby cried in hunger or when the baby was trying to get attention. And for a really long time, it was believed that the greater the synchrony, the better the attachment bonding would be for the baby.
1: Respond to all of the baby's needs then.
0: Uh-huh, but. Uh,
1: however, like more recently, right? over the last several decades actually, studies have revealed something completely different. Yes. Researchers no longer considered this time out of sync as lost time or as a bad thing. They now believe that time out of sync is just as important as time in sync mm-hmm. because babies are wired from birth to cope with getting out of sync. In fact, babies deliberately break this synchronicity several times each minute, and they do this to regulate their own emotions, to regulate the heart rate, or even when they're overstimulated. During this time, the baby is out of sync or maybe even self-soothing, right? They prepare for a positive re-engagement with their mother and or the caretaker at the time.
0: So interesting, right? Because the same is also true with couples. And sometimes this getting out of sync is just as crucial as getting into sync.
1: So getting out of sync is what allows us to function more independently and break the patterns so that we can then establish a deeper, more emotionally intelligent connection with our partners. It can be an important way to stop the back and forth of screaming and shouting with all of the negative reverberations that come with those type of activities.
0: Yeah. And let me tell you, just from my personal experience, when he made that comment to me and he said, Sharla, like you, you can't talk to me this way. That moment in time, let me tell you, I felt that enmeshment break when he stood up, when his integrity stood up. And what's so interesting to me still to this day is how he did it, you know, how he did it with integrity and honesty and truth. There was like no malice in his words. There was no spewing of venom. There was no defensiveness. There was no four horsemen. It was just truth. And I think that's what made it such a powerful moment. And I think those are the moments of differentiation in couples where they stand on their own two feet, yeah. where they respect their own autonomy, where they're not willing to submit to tyranny, but they do it in a way that's just truthful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. In- and... I know I sound pretty noble with the way you explained it. I don't remember being that noble, but I do remember the feelings and I don't know. I'm, I'm grateful. Actually, those are uncomfortable moments and they were, and we're going to talk about how they help you grow your relationship probably a little bit later, but as uncomfortable as that moment was probably for both of us, I don't think we would have shifted into the next phase of our relationship without that experience. Mm -mm. I think for most of us, and I can speak for probably a lot of guys, we don't go into the next version of our relationship willingly or easily. I think we have to have these difficult moments so we can allow them to shape us, to meld us, and to change us into who we need to become. Maybe the refiner's fire.
0: Right. No, I don't think we go into the next marriage willingly at all um, because it's scary. And so that was the pivotal moment that that moved us out of marriage one, so that ended marriage one, yep. and then marriage two emerged. On we go, and that's where we transitioned into a little bit more of this stable, family-oriented phase where we had these shared responsibilities and shared goals, and we're growing businesses and raising children and doing all the activities for kids, all the soccer games, all the baseball games.
1: Yeah, yeah it's kids, it's work, it's baseball, and but it's also the stage that the stage that moved us into more complacency that I don't think we saw coming because we put so much time and attention towards these other things. We just didn't make any room for us. And I really wish, looking back, I wish we'd have spent that marriage number two. I wish I could have figured out a way to make us more important as well.
0: But again, I think we had to go through that in order to recognize even what complacency was. Like I don't think we could have grown or evolved or even known that unless we went through those challenges right but that moment in time where we're we're building putting our relationship in 17th place probably at the that's what led to another pivotal moment that we had and we shared the story too but that's what led to that car
1: ride the ominous car scene
0: the car scene right when i turned to robert and i said and i'm thinking at the moment what a great wife i am And I turn to him and I say, can you remember a time? Can you remember an actual specific time when you felt deeply loved by me? And I'm sitting there counting all the ways that I'm such a great wife. And he just sits there in silence and doesn't say a word like utter silence. What felt like hours on my part was maybe a minute or two. I don't know. Maybe it was only seconds. But eventually.
1: I was hoping it was a rhetorical question.
0: (laughs) Eventually, though. After the silence, once again, truthfully and honestly and calmly and without malice, his integrity stood up again. And he spoke just honestly and he said, no, I I can't remember a time. And that was truth because he didn't feel loved at that moment. He felt very disconnected. He felt like he was in 17th place. And that's because he was. And so, again, once again, we had this pivotal moment in our relationship.
1: And we got to get to another point place of realization that we needed to once again innovate either move forward or perish and we had to and we had to get out of sync so that we could find our way back to each other once again
0: that same concept of getting out of sync again really interesting how that plays out because that actually turns out to be a really important part of this transition I think
1: yeah yeah you have to get back into sync and find each other's values yeah yeah
0: so how about that So once again, here we are at this pivotal moment. And once again, I'm feeling like, what the heck is going on? I'm feeling so discombobulated and terrified. And why does he not need me? You know, that all those feelings come back of he no longer needs me. And I felt like I was back on that paddleboard again, floating down the river and feeling totally lost.
1: Yeah, and I know what it's like to have that feeling at times, too. And so here's something else I think that's super important about these moments. They happen to all of us at some point, Mm -hmm. and they're scary. They can be pretty scary, and you feel like you're going into some really unknown territory, and that can be, for most people, fairly terrifying, but in these moments when there's no retreat to the safety, there's no retreating to the way things used to be, and we only have one choice, and that is to move forward into the unknown, that can cause a lot of fear and anxiety, but we must be able to tolerate that for the sake of our relationship so that we can grow and evolve together and also independently as individuals.
0: Yeah, and I think this is so important, this idea of moving forward because we can't move backwards, but moving forward, there's so much uncertainty in this place of moving forward. And we don't know for certain that we're moving into a place of safety and security. And one of the things I've noticed in working with clients is that they've gone through a big struggle in their relationship and they come for help And there's been some kind of trust that's been broken in their relationship.
1: That's a hard one.
0: And one of the most common things that people are at that point are saying is, I don't know if I can really trust you again. I don't know if you can create emotional safety for me. I don't know if we can have trust. I don't know if we can have commitment. I don't know if I can step forward into that unknown. And they want to have safety and security before they take the step. But it doesn't work that way. We don't always have safety and security first. Sometimes we have to take that step first. Leap of faith. Yeah.
1: We have to take the leap of faith first.
0: And if humans didn't have the ability to do that, we would have ceased to exist a long time ago. If we were only waiting for safety and security first before we could move forward, we would not even be here. So we have to move forward into unknown territory in order to find safety and security.
1: Yeah. It's that stepping into the unknown.
0: The leap of faith.
1: It's, it's like that leap of faith you right. took when you first married your partner.
0: And and again, into marriage number two and again into yeah. marriage number three, you don't even know what that is really going to look like because you haven't evolved it yet.
1: Yeah. And that's why as I look back over our three marriages in this example, I realized that each new marriage began with the burning of the ships moment where we had no choice but to move forward. Certainly each of these moments were scary and confusing and a lot of emotions, and we had no guarantees that going forward would really even provide us the future that we wanted. Mm -hmm. But we knew that we had to grow and that we needed to evolve in order to build our relationship.
0: Yeah. So now here we are, marriage number three. What's that like for us now? Pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty great so far. And for us, marriage number three at this point has been all about renewal. It's been about reconnection. It's about figuring out and being who we really are, being our most true and honest self, and bringing the best in each of us—I think—to the relationship.
1: Yeah, it's been about greater intimacy, and we've had a—we've been a lot better about supporting each other's dreams and goals and values. And it's been about reintroducing novelty and excitement and fun into our relationship. We've always liked to have fun, but I think we like to have more fun these days.
0: Yeah, this just this kind of brings up the question. I think in my mind is, do couples all go through? A similar evolution. Do all couples go through the exact same patterns as us? Do they go through a different, unique evolution? What do other couples experience? I mean,
1: experience? I would say yes, but I, every relationship is different. Every set of couples are different. And yeah. so I think everybody's going to go through these one or two or three cycles of evolutions. I just think you're going to go through it differently. Yeah. We all hit this same sort of impetus, which is this emotional gridlock, mm-hmm. which forces us to evolve but the timing and intensity of each couple's phases can differ yeah. for so many reasons. And it may not be as linear as ours. Right. It may be two together and then one for long or a bunch of changes in in, in rapid succession. And life changes us. Marriage changes us. Right. children change us. Moves. All the life stresses can sometimes cause these things to happen. So it's not always the same for each relationship, each couple.
0: But what is important and equally the same, I would say for everyone, is that What's important is to have a mindset where it's the refiner's fire, we're willing to grow, and it's best to be adaptable to whatever is going to come. And remember that, again, some couples will be able to do it. Some couples will be able to innovate with the same person. Yep. And for those who can't, they usually move on and still have to do it, but they do it with someone else. Yeah. And I think the other mindset there is that if you can tolerate the discomfort of growth that it takes then why not do it together
1: absolutely because one day you're going to realize the incredible richness and meaning that you've created in your life together and the happiness that you found because sometimes going through struggles it does make you stronger together they suck while you're there though yeah. or that's for sure
0: yeah I think this is a really cool episode, and I think it's going to be fun to chat about it with all of you guys. Maybe over on social media this week. I think what we'll do is continue this discussion there because I really do want to hear about your relationships. I would, le- we'd both love to know how your relationship has evolved and what has been the catalyst for growth in your phases of your relationship.
1: Yeah, we want to just we want to connect with you and, and hear about that, and maybe we can learn some really cool things about you guys as well. I would love that. Yeah. As always, be kind to each other, take care of each other, put each other first. It's the small and simple things every day that create strong relationships.
0: Until next time.
1: Thank you for listening to Master Your Marriage. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, then we want to hear from you. Just go to MasterYourMarriagePodcast.com and send us your question.
0: Oh, and while you're there, you can also check out our retreats and events and even apply for coaching.
1: And make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get advanced notice of when the next episode drops, plus show notes and mini extras. Thanks again for tuning in.